Welcome back to Cargumentative, a multimedia live podcast in which we chat about all things cars, motoring, and automotive. I'm your host, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times, and today I'm joined by Dennis Dropper, Business Day Motor News Editor. Dennis, how are you doing? Great, thanks, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, just super, you know. Two weeks of lockdown. Um, my facial hair has gone wild. I've got this enormous moustache, which I'm quite, I'm quite proud of. Um, but other than that, hanging in there? As long as you're wearing the 80-spec Ray-Bans to go with the 80-spec moustache, it's all good. I am, actually. I also have an 80-spec tracker cap, so the whole look is uh, <laughs> fairly complete. Dennis, what's been happening in the world of news? Well, the lockdown crisis is real for the motor industry. Last month, new car sales in South Africa plummeted by about by nearly 30% compared to March last year. So sales are down to just over 33,000 units compared to nearly 48,000 units in March last year. And unfortunately, it looks like things are only going to get worse. Vehicle financier West Bank says new car sales could plummet as much as 80% in April. And they say that uh, total sales for the year could be down about 20% compared to last year. So that's really a crisis situation for a motor industry that is already uh, feeling the pressure. Yeah, it's, it's um, a really dark time. Uh, I, I guess people just don't have the disposable income. You know, a lot of people are going to get laid off. And I think what spare money people did have, they're now going to be holding on to because um, who knows what's, what's around the corner. In terms of used car sales, do you think this has helped the used car market at all? Uh, Thomas, it seems to have because initially, well, the initial sales for the year have been quite good and they've been ahead of where they were this time last year. But I think April is obviously going to throw a spanner in that, that works because people simply haven't been able to go to dealerships and buy cars. Moving away from COVID-19, um, you've got an interesting news piece on a, a new fast electric Mercedes. I do indeed. People who have never driven an electric car might very well think that the words AMG and electric vehicle don't belong together in the same sentence. But uh, I'm here to tell you that they very much do. AMG is creating a version of the EQS electric luxury sedan that is due for launch in 2022. And it's reported that it'll have similar outputs as the current petrol-powered Mercedes S63 AMG which is no less than 450 kilowatts and 900 newton meters. So the age of the electric supercar is well and truly upon us. If you look in at this Mercedes AMG, as well as cars like the Tesla Model S and the uh, Audi that is coming out, the e-tron GT, and also the Porsche Taycan Turbo S, which happens to make around 560 kilowatts. So they unfortunately won't have the sound. And I, I know that you have views on that, Thomas. I do. I do. You know, it's just, um, look, I enjoy electric cars. I like driving them. Um, I think they're quite novel. And I think um, they're actually more, more enjoyable to drive around than a lot of the petrol-powered um, alternatives because you know, petrol-powered cars have just become somewhat... I don't know, they, they, they all kind of sound the same, feel the same, do the same thing. Um, and if that's the case, then you might as well hop into an electric-powered car. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, the sound thing is a bit odd. 
and manufacturers are now starting to try and engineer fake engine noise to kind of make these electric cars sound like they're petrol powered, which I don't know, it just doesn't really work for me. So um, you would prefer an electric car just to sound like an electric car? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, let's not pretend to be something you aren't. Um, I think it's just, you know, it, it, it is electric. It's got electric motors. It's powered by a, a battery pack. And I think we just need to accept that and kind of get on with it. Um, I think from an, from an external perspective, it might be important uh, to, to kind of um, amplify some sound so that pedestrians can, can hear you coming. Um, so at certain speeds, uh, a sound is piped so that people are aware of your presence. But I think from the inside, you know, electric cars, say electric car, let's yeah. just move on with it. I agree with you on the safety issue that pedestrians should definitely hear you coming because I've had a couple of near misses in parking lots when driving electric cars with that very issue. I'm yeah, still, yeah, I'm still undecided on the fake sound issue. Maybe once electric cars become more common, more prevalent, uh, it'll become more of an issue. But right now, I'm not sure whether I'd rather it sounded like a sewing machine or if I could select a Lamborghini Countach soundtrack. <laughs> I know. It's a tough one. I mean, I can remember when, when the, um, the Clio Sport RS, the first turbocharged version, came out. You could, you could choose a whole bunch of like, fake engine noises that the car would, would uh, pipe through the car's sound system. And you could choose a, anything from a motorbike to a Nissan GTR. It, it isn't a great sounding car on its own. And you had all these options, and it was just such a gimmick. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think it's more of a gimmick when it's, when it's a petrol-powered car to start with. Yeah. Then you're wanting to, it to sound like its natural self. So the one exception I'll make to that is, uh, for instance, when, you, when you're driving a powerful car mm. and uh, you just amplify its natural noise because cars are so well insulated these days you know, with uh, uh, soundproofed, et cetera. So everybody outside the car can hear how great it sounds, but you sitting inside the car and you can't really hear it. So if they take some of that natural sound, so not making a BMW M3 sound like a Ferrari, for instance, you take the car's own sound and just amplify it through the speakers, I don't have such an issue with that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, because it is, it is basically using a sound that's already there. So, yeah. so it's just like plugging in a, a guitar into an amplifier, you know? Exactly like that. Exactly yeah. like that. That's a good analogy. What else is on the new side? I saw that, um, well, staying with Mercedes, um, the Mercedes-MG Formula One team um, is converting its powertrain production facility to build um, a special kind of breathing device to help people... Um, who've got COVID-19 to breathe better um, without having to go into ICU. Um, so that's, that's quite a cool thing, how, how all these manufacturers, um, and not just you know, manufacturers of plain Jane cars, but actual uh, form, Formula One team divisions are, are kind of getting together and manufacturing all these things that we need to, to fight this terrible pandemic. I've noticed an, a number of car manufacturers have done a similar thing and they've converted some of their production to helping out with medical supplies for the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, particularly in the USA and in Europe. 
And they've also employed some of their 3D printers so that they can manufacture these items very quickly. Yeah, also saw that. Uh, 3D printing seems to be a, an incredible thing. Um, you know, and a lot of these designs are open source, so you can basically download um, the blueprints, so to speak, um, put them into your computer, um, and then hit the print button, and out they come. It's, it's actually mind-blowing. But it's a lovely technology to watch. It is. I think we should get some uh, 3D printers for our older cars, and then we can start manufacturing uh, parts that we can no longer get. Yeah, I'm with you there. As we both own classics, so that's something we can maybe investigate for a future cogumentative podcast. <laughs> exactly, or uh, a future business opportunity. You know? Yeah, Dennis, I see Paige is waving her virtual arms at me again, so we're going to have to cut news. Um, but yeah, some some interesting things coming out despite uh, the state of the world. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to be speaking to a a man who can tell us all about modifying cars and uh, how to drive faster around racetracks. Would I buy a Havon? <laughs> but you see, like, you can't beat the diesel. Though. I'll take the petrol over the diesel any day. <laughs> Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course, have a cargument or two. That's Cargumentative only on Times Live Motoring. Welcome back to Cargumentative. In this segment of the show, we're joined by an interesting man. Uh, goes by the name of Adrian Burford. Adrian. Afternoon, Thomas. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Thanks for joining us uh, here on the show. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know who Adrian is, Adrian does uh, the PR uh, for a, an automotive tuning house called Rob Green Motorsport, who uh, have been around... Uh, on the tuning scene for quite some time and uh, Dennis suggested that we get you uh, onto the show so we can just have a chat and and uh, speak to you about all things uh, car mod you know thanks for the opportunity and uh, when you say RG Motorsport's been around for a while well we'll be uh, we'll be turning 30 in uh, 2022 so we we certainly not uh, new to this game Cheers. almost as old as I am <laughs> Yeah, Adrian, would you like to just give us a, a brief background of exactly what RG Motorsport does? We, we have a number of divisions, but um, we are essentially a, a multifaceted vehicle service repair tuning modification company. So the, the division where all the exciting things really happen, our, our skunk works, and it is, it is downstairs. That's our motorsport workshop, and in the motor, motorsport workshop we have um, a number of um, skilled guys with uh, various specialities from welding to fabricating uh, and so on. And then we also have uh, two dynamometers. We have a, a four-wheel drive dynamometer and we have a, a less, uh, slightly less sophisticated uh, two-wheel drive dynamometer. So um, we, do, we do a lot of things down there, um, upgrades of, of various kinds. 
we focus more on mechanical, although plenty of people come to us wanting uh, mm. cosmetic things done. Sometimes we outsource that or we'll uh, use our, con our contacts in the industry to, to get the, the best uh, items in to complement uh, an, an engine upgrade. So, so tell us something about uh, maybe a recent project that, that you've worked on and what kind of performance uh, difference people can expect. Okay, one of one of the things we've uh, just finalized, and in fact, it was um, it was quite a challenge, um, and that was a, an upgrade to the to the Ranger Ranger Raptor. And um, I think Ford has gone to great lengths to make it difficult for the aftermarket to um, to access the engine management. And uh, we worked at it long and hard, and we worked closely with a company called Dastec which is um, famous or well-known um, globally, really, for the, for the Unichip uh, engine management piggyback systems. And uh, their Unichip X, um, which is not their 10th Unichip, it's probably their 30th or 40th, but the Unichip X um, is, is their latest, and it's, uh, it's exceptional processing power uh, made it possible for us to uh, work with the original uh, electronics of the vehicle and uh, and successfully um, make the changes we needed to change. So talk to us a little bit about the, the power differences that you were able to achieve. Um, it starts out at um, one, 157 and our stage one conversion takes that to 180 kilowatts. Uh, we've got a lovely smooth and progressive uh, power curve and uh, equally impressive torque curve. The drivability uh, is exceptional. Um, maximum torque goes up from, uh, I think it's 500 in standard form, and we get to uh, we get to 590, all the way from uh, 1500 RPM. Uh, so, so we're making more at 1500 RPM um, than, than they than they do uh, at their peak of 2000. And uh, the, the conversion comprises the Unichip. Well, the Unichip really has to be seen as the brain. So we, we build an aftermarket exhaust. We call our, our exhaust uh, in-house brand Techniflow. And uh, they, they stainless steel systems, um, beautifully bent and, and, uh, and fabricated to, to have minimal impact on, on airflow. Um, so we make sure that the, uh, the, the spent gases can get out nice and quickly. We do some work on the, on the inlet side as well. Um, and then we use the, the magic of the Unichip X to, to rewrite or reprofile all the uh, fuel delivery uh, numbers and, uh, and so on. And what would somebody pay for a conversion like that, Adrian? It's, uh, that complete version is now is 33,000. So that's the... The 76 millimeter Techniflow exhaust uh, and and the downpipe. Um, we we have a custom built intercooler. That's a very important part of the intakes uh, side, which I which I didn't mention just now. Um, that that obviously keeps the intake air cool uh, and at uh, maximum pressure. There's a performance air filter as part of that, and then the Unichip X, which now also features what uh, Dastic call Easy Connect. It's, uh, it's an updated harness system, so it's uh, what we used to call plug and play. And um, like I said, that, that full setup, 33,000 Rand, including VAT, and uh, we warranty our, our upgrade work for six months and 20,000 kilometers. And Adrian, um, how does that affect um, your standard OEM warranty? 
uh, I mean, say you've got, a, you know, like a, a fairly new Ranger Raptor and you come into RGM and you get the conversion done um, and then you need to go back to the dealership and have a service, um, you know, what happens there? I think any manufacturer will tell you that, and, and it will be written into the warranty that if you make any changes, it, it does invalidate the warranty. Well, um, we, as, as well as our upgrade warranty, the six months and 20,000 kilometers, we also sell warranty packages. Um, so it can cover, you know, all aspects of, of the work. But of course, a vehicle's warranty is uh, is very broad. And, and, and I think if a manufacturer told you that they might not... Uh, they might not replace a wheel bearing because you had upgraded the engine. Um, they may be able to debate that, but obviously upgrading the engine and the kind of mechanical work we do theoretically only influences a, a small part of the warranty. So, for example, if there was a paint defect or the or the uh, the seat upholstery started to disintegrate, I don't think a manufacturer would have a, a valid leg to stand on if they said that that was the result of your Archie Motorsports Stage One upgrade. Fair enough. And I mean, is there a, a way to hide it? Um, I mean, do you, do you find that, that a lot of manufacturers will pick these things up if they're not um, made aware of it? Like if you don't have RGM stickers on the back of your car, um, you know, are people going to pick it up um, if it goes in and has a service? Well, I think most manufacturers claim that they can tell if the electronics um, have been, for want of a better word, tampered with in any way. Um, that, that's that's normally when the actual stock ECU is is uh, reflashed. So so one of the advantages or the beauty of a piggyback system is that everything everything stays stock on the on the engine's electronics. We we use an external device, the piggyback computer, to um, to alter those signals. So the piggyback computer is really like um, having having the electronics of the engine tailored to suit a specific application or driving environment or, 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 or fueling um, fuel quality, if you like. Um, and, and I think that the driving environment on the high felt in Gauteng is uh, is pretty unique worldwide. I think it's only really uh, Mexico that has a, a similar set of um, set of circumstances. But to answer your original question, the, the Unichip X, because it comes with the Easy Connect harness, it can actually be removed and the original plugs reconnected. And there would really theoretically be no way of a manufacturer um, or your service department at your local dealership detecting that something had been changed. Okay, interesting. So there is a way um, if you did, if you were concerned, you could come in and say, listen, I'm taking it in for a service. Can you, can you guys take it out for a couple of days and uh, I'll come back? We do, get, we do get some of that. Of course, you know, the fact that the car has a non-standard intercooler and a non-standard exhaust means that uh, a service department at the dealership would have to be fairly blind not to see that something is different, but uh, you know there you are. It's um, it's uh, it wouldn't be our policy to deliberately hide or you know or or, mis, or mislead anyone in terms of uh, you know, what's what's been done to a vehicle. And, I, and I think obviously as time as time goes goes past, um, 
the the original warranty is obviously shrinking all the time and and at some point in that process the owner decides well it, it's now he feels that the value proposition is is there and a term might be worth going for a conversion and and also because of the the standard of our work and the reputation we have and the fact that we do warranty it, um, I think that does give a lot of our customers a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. And and there doesn't seem to be a, a shortage of people who will literally drive a vehicle from the dealership to us and uh, we'll start working on it. You know, it's barely having having turned a wheel. Amazing. Um, and then from a, from a, a budget point of view, I mean, say um, I've just bought myself a Golf GTI, um, you know, I'm obviously a bit skint now, uh, but I want to improve the performance. Uh, do you guys offer something where um, all the mechanicals of the car will stay the same um, and you just tinker with the electrics? Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you guys able to to just install a, a piggyback computer? Um, put can. In some f- you can, you can do that. We we can and we, we, we offer a, a number of, well, we offer a, a menu um, in the in the in the case of um, golf and golf GTI in particular, that menu is quite extensive, and uh, we've uh, we've named our different stages after after different uh, heat ranges of of curry. So we thought that was that was quite appropriate. So you can have uh, you can have something mild, I think something like a korma, or you can have something like a vindaloo, which uh, theoretically will take your hair out. But um, we, 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 can, we can do it in stages and we would look at it on a, on a sort of car by car basis and decide what makes the most sense to do when and where, where theoretically you would, you would get the, uh, the, the, the most benefit. So you could start off with just uh, the, ele- the electronics, looking at a, at a uni chip. Um, then you could come back a few months later and, uh, and, and have the exhaust done and, and so on and so forth and all the way up to enlarged turbos you know custom hybrid turbos bigger intercoolers um and of course we also have relationships with um with various uh high performance brake and suspension um suppliers so we can we like to take a holistic approach and you know especially if a guy's going to make a car radically more powerful we, we always make recommendations on braking and handling as well yeah, interesting. So you can basically modify as you go, as you feel, and as you get uh, more money into your bank account. Yes, or, or, or not, as the case may be. Exactly. Um, um, especially in, in these times. So we're quite interested to see what, what does happen in the next uh, few weeks. Um, our, our, our service department could theoretically be quite busy and the motorsport department uh, not busy at all, but it but it is amazing how many people out there um, want something done to their to their car to make it unique and uh, individualistic. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I mean, I've got a question also that 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 um, I've been keen to ask about naturally aspirated cars. Um, you know, there's an argument um, that naturally aspirated cars today are coming out. Um, and they are already so finely tuned and so much power has been squeezed out of them from the factory that there's no point in actually, you know, having it chipped and dyna tuned and, and all and all and, and 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 all those things that you can have done to your car. Um is is that true? I mean, um 
would all these modifications only really benefit turbocharged cars or is there a case for for having a a naturally aspirated car chipped and you know good it's a very good question thomas and and it is it is becoming it has become increasingly difficult to uh to get more out of naturally aspirated engines in particular um once again the the unichip we we look at the unichip as being a um, a tailor-made suit for an individual engine and for uh, a particular set of driving conditions. So, so with a Unichip, you can, you, can, you can extract the best possible power or the, best, the, the greatest efficiency um, out of a, a given engine. And there may be some small changes on, on one engine, on, a, on one, say, I don't know, 1600 Volkswagen normally aspirated engine in something like a caddy van, for example, you, where, where you could find a little bit more power, say between two and three, and you might get another engine, uh, another caddy van with the same engine, and you find a little bit more on that one between three and you know four and five, higher up the mm -hmm. rev range. So, so you, can, you can tailor it. One obviously has to look at it. If, if your objective is to get better efficiency, i.e. Uh, reduced fuel consumption, um, then you obviously have to look at how how much it's going to cost and and what you could possibly save on on a fuel consumption side. But um, to to tune normally aspirated engines just for power, increased power is uh, is like you say quite tricky. It depends on the individual engine and how well engineered things like exhaust systems and uh, and intake systems have been uh, have been engineered in their, in their standard form um generally they, they they're pretty good nowadays absolutely well i mean i've been stealing the stage here dennis is there anything else you want to ask that's all from my side uh, tom okay all right well very interesting um and adrian if 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 um our listeners are keen to get in touch with you guys how how should they do it Probably the easiest way, Tom, is to go to our uh, our website. Um, that's rgmotorsport.com. And uh, you'll be able to find plenty of information there. There's also a tab where you can find an inquiry form and uh, fill that in and um, tell us a bit about what you want from your car and, and what car you drive. And um, we can... Uh, you know, like I say, on a case-by-case -case basis, look at what's going to work for you. Um, there, there are plenty of people who are doing engine upgrades, but um, we like to think, as I say, our, our approach is, is holistic and um, we like to sit down with customers and find out exactly what they need, what their, what their um, hopes are. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks for chatting to us about that. Um, listeners, you, you heard Adrian head on over to the Rob Green Motorsport uh, website if you're keen uh, to mod your car or take the first uh, tentative steps to doing that. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be chatting to Adrian again about how, um, how to go faster around racetracks. Cargumentative is a podcast about all things cars and motoring. If you are interested in advertising on the show, please forward all queries to timeslive.co.za and click on the advertising tab. 
Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. Welcome back to Cargumentative. Adrian, you're still with us? Still with you, Tom. Fantastic. Uh, like we said before, listeners, we're in our, our virtual studio, so if the sound is a bit uh, sketchy um, and it sounds like we're broadcasting from a submarine, we're not. It's just that we're using uh, a digital um, broadcasting recording service called Discord, so bear with us. Um, Adrian? We've got a little bit of time, well, a little bit of time left, and we'd like to chat to you about uh, your second venture, which is which is called Stigworks, and and that's basically a, a sort of tailor-made coaching um, service that you offer. Um, and if guys are into track days or racing or time trials, and they want to get faster uh, and improve their driving style. Um, they can get in touch with you and you can you can basically arrange a day or two days or you know whatever it takes um to make them better but, uh, that does sum up stig works pretty well thomas uh it, it is my first love it, it actually started out as my kind of weekend job and uh, i have a i've had a love of of motorsport and obviously, when I was active as a motoring journalist, I loved the, the testing side of it and, and measuring things and, and getting the numbers down and, uh, and taking those drives out to Geritech at first light to roar up and down the skid pan or up and down the long straight and around the skid pan. So, yeah, Stigworks kind of grew out of that. And it, it is, uh, in a nutshell, a driver, uh, a race driver or a track driver coaching service. And uh, our payoff line is get fast, fast. And um, we, we use some, uh, some pretty trick technology to, uh, to speed up the learning process and coach um, drivers uh, to, to be fast and, and safe. Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose from, a, from an, an outsider, um, it, it's, it's quite intimidating asking for help. Um, when it comes to going faster around a track, you know, because a lot of people have egos. Um, a lot of people think they are the next Michael Schumacher, uh, but deep down they kind of believe that they could go quicker and they could go faster. So, so how do you deal with with um, with actually, you know, sort of coaching people and getting them into a, um, a correct mindset, but not undermining um, the abilities that they may already have yeah those those fragile race driver egos you mean <laughs> oh yes <laughs> okay well well we've seen that there, there are some guys who um i think would prefer not to be analyzed but the vast majority of 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 drivers that, that i've worked with are, are really eager to be um exposed for want of a better word and 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 the way we do it, it it does reveal the good the bad and the ugly and i think once you've just got around that um it's easy and and i always say to guys you know ab de Villiers is um one of the best batsmen in the world but they he he has a batting coach because um you know things things change we develop bad habits and um 
our technique uh, drifts a little. And um, so, so, so that's really, you know, how we, uh, how we sort of give people a, a, a positive feeling. But I, I think after the first session, most guys now suddenly realize that the, the way we do it um, um, is, a, is a, valid, a valid way to speed up the learning process. So Adrian, tell me a little bit about your system and, and how the telemetry works, exactly how it can make somebody a better driver. Uh, the, the essence of our coaching method is um, we call it real plus virtual. We don't get in the passenger seat. I never drive a customer's car. I don't purport to be um, a race driver who can who can share my skill and technique with, with people. We, we simply, um, and it is quite simple, it's a, literally a 10 or 15 minute process. We install um, a, an array of equipment in the car um, the, the system is called a Race Logic V-Box. It's a British company that has uh, specialized in um, satellite-linked uh, data logging systems. And uh, we, we fit, we use a system called the HD2 Video V-Box, and um, it combines video, audio, and, and GPS data. And then we can also plug into a car's electronics um, normally through the OBD2 port and, and, and in other ways, and we can collect information like RPM and gear position and so on. And, and, and what it does, it gives us access to so much information that we can see exactly what you're doing at any point uh, or what you did do at any point uh, on the racetrack. It, um, it saves all this information to an SD card, and after your session on the track, you come back to me and my in my in the Stigworks van, which is um, becoming a well-known site at racetracks, and we we load the data into the VBox software called Circuit Tools, and we can look at uh, what you did literally millimeter by millimeter, lap by lap. Um, we can compare you to another driver. We can overlay your data on someone else's, um, and uh, and very quickly see what you're doing right and wrong. What kind of data, Adrian? Uh, like cornering speed, uh, braking points? Absolutely, we can find we can find all of that. Um, it, it's 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 quite difficult to. I think it's definitely one of those things where we're seeing is believing. But um, we can we can find your speed, your lateral g, your, your cornering force, your longitudinal g. Uh, in other words, braking and uh, and acceleration. We can tell when you got. Off the off the brake and back on the accelerator, we can tell how hard you got on the accelerator. We can see exactly where. Um, and and you know one of the things uh, that, that I found extremely useful is is the audio. So we normally run a microphone uh, to the exhaust pipe and sometimes another microphone into the engine bay, and um, it's uh, it's quite revealing what what goes on with the driver's right foot. And uh, of course, the driver likes to. He likes to tell his uh, his team manager, "Oh no, I'm, I'm I'm definitely flat through that corner for sure. I'm I'm absolutely flat out." And of course, when you play back the audio afterwards, you can you you'll very quickly see whether in fact the driver is flat or whether so you he's can had hear, two, you can three. hear him coming off the throttle. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And that that's that's a particularly useful. Um, you know, even when you've got the GPS data, sometimes something as simple as the as the movement of the of the right foot and the change in the exhaust notes 
uh, can be extremely, extremely useful. What I found fascinating, Adrian, because I've, I've um, used your services before uh, on certain press events. And uh, earlier this year, um, we took part in the Emerald Speedfest uh, time trial uh, when I was in that Toyota Supra. And what, what, what really fascinated me was, was when you put um, the heart rate monitor uh, onto me and that, and that fed into the whole telemetry system um, and to actually see how your heart rate rises as you, you know. Yes, that's, that's actually one of the new developments with the, with the VBOX, the HD2. Um, they've got a lot of uh, sort of plugins and, and additional information you can add. And I, I don't think I made it clear just now that there are actually two cameras. So it's a picture-in-picture format. So not only can we see down the road, we can see what the driver is seeing, but we have a second camera which looks uh, at the driver. So that's quite handy for looking at things like gear change technique and, and ste- even you know steering inputs, line of sight, you know, where's the driver looking, you know, driving position. But the heart rate... The heart rate thing, I, I think, is useful. It, it, it was a lot of fun doing that um, at Emerald Mile, and uh, yeah, I think Tom, you certainly had um, you, you certainly had an amazing heart rate curve, and the way it went up progressively from from uh, when the when the lights went out on the start line until you got to the top, it was uh, it was quite remarkable. It was like a hummingbird. I think I, I think yeah. I I think I got up to about like like hundred and sixty something. That's right. I think I think you I think you peaked at one sixty two, and your your heart rate on this on the start line I think was in in one one ten one twenty odd. Yeah. That's already already quite elevated, and I'm sure when you're first thing in the morning, you're probably mm. probably down at sixty, if that. You know, probably so, around um, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there were some some aspects to that course which I think would have made anyone's uh, heart rate climb, but you were certainly quite a but an interesting one to to study. Yeah. Adrian, good fun. Adrian, I just wanted to ask you: um, Do people? Do you find that people who start your Stigworks course, do they initially overdrive or underdrive the car? I mean, uh, when they end up getting quicker lap times in the end, do you find that they're generally now toning things down that they were overdriving previously, or where are? Just about always, in, in virtually every case, um, people overdrive, um, and and they overdrive in in a, in a particular way where they tend to try turn into a corner too fast, and they and they and they make that mistake for about two sessions, and and it's quite handy if you can overlay uh, an amateur driver on a on a pro driver's um, benchmark lap. And it's quite interesting. Often, round about the turn-in point, the amateur driver will be going four, five, six kilometers an hour faster. Say at a corner like turn two at Swatkops, the, the sharp right-hand hairpin, um, and they, they'll try they'll try make the car turn turn when it's when there just isn't enough uh, tire grip available to make the car turn from that speed. Right. So they'll have this they'll have this brief um, spike and we when we compare the two speed curves at that part of the track the, the, the amateurs like I say sometimes a few kilometers an hour faster but that very rapidly changes because the pro driver he he slows the car down to to the ideal point where he can get the, the car turned and, and and get the nose sort of pointing towards the apex 
and, and not have any onset of understeer and, and literally be on the power from, you know, shortly after starting the turn in, you know, getting back on the power and progressively adding it um, as he reaches the apex yeah. and then adding it quicker as he, as he straightens up the steering again. So, so like I say, we see that um, in particular that, uh, that people try turn a car in too fast and then they try move straight across to the accelerator and get on the power too hard too soon. And, right. and with a lot of modern cars, that's, as you would know, that's uh, instant understeer. You have to back off, you have to wait, you have to let the car slow down, and you've now lost uh, a big chunk of time. Yeah, it's a fascinating service um, and actually quite a, a niche one. I think uh, Stigworks is possibly yeah. the only driving coaching service in the country at the moment. I don't, I don't think there's anyone doing it quite the way we do it. Um, you know, the, the, the passenger seat thing maybe has its place, but, I, you know, I, I always say to my customers, you know, there's, there's no point getting in the car with you because you're, you're trying to stay alive and, and I'm shouting. We both got helmets on. You probably can't hear me very well. I'm, you know, waving my hands in front of you. We haven't agreed beforehand on, on what the sign language actually means whether it's slow down, you know, speed up or, or, or whether you're actually saying, giving yourself the last rights kind of thing. So, so I, th I think when you get the, the customer back to the van and we, uh, we've, had a, we've had a drink and a chat and um, we then start looking at it uh, in, a, in a structured way, um, it, it, really, it really is a very uh, a, a quick, a quick way to speed up the learning process. It really is. And then Adrian, um the listeners out there who are keen in getting in touch, how should they, um, how should they find you? Yeah, the easiest way, the easiest way to find me is uh, is uh, email. It's um, Adrian. That's with one A. I'm originally from that little island, independent island off uh, off the coast of Europe. Um, so it's Adrian with one A at Roadworks, and, and that's R O A D W O R X. Okay, no S dot dot Coza. That's probably the best way. And then there's a there's a Stigworks website. It's Stigworks with an X dot Guru. Okay. G U R U. So it's not dot co or dot com. It's uh, dot Guru. And and um, Dennis, a quick one on on you know what um, what people do when they first get into a car. The, the other thing is, and I do quite a lot of work for AMG for their, um, their driving course, is that uh, I think a lot of people who drive on the road have got no idea of the power of uh, a modern supercar's brakes, you know, even, on, even on normal road tires. You know, people just have no idea how quickly something like a, an AMG GT can, can slow down, how hard they can actually get on the brakes. Yeah, modern brakes are, are awesome, especially when they've got the ABS assistance. Oh, absolutely. Fascinating stuff. Well, Adrian, thank you very much for joining us. It's been really good chatting to you uh, and catching thanks, up. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Adrian. Um, and that, unfortunately, brings us to the end of the show. We're out of time. Um, another episode has flown by. Adrian and Dennis, thanks for joining. Catch us again next week for another, another episode of Cargumentative.